It's a pleasure being here again. I pray that you've all had some safe travels. Those who were traveling during Thanksgiving, and I know some of you are still going to be traveling in the upcoming weeks. So I just wanted to, for all of you, from the college students to the families who are going to be heading out, we just ask for prayers and protection. But it is good to see all of you here today. I want to go ahead and invite you to pray with me as we get to yet another parable uh, from Jesus. Let us go ahead and pray. Father God, Lord, we come before you, and I'm asking at this moment as we're about to open your scriptures, we never, ever, ever dare open your word without calling upon your Holy Spirit for wisdom and understanding and clarity. And so, Lord, I ask now as we're about to do this that you anoint my lips, that it be you speaking and not I, and prepare our hearts and our minds to be receptive to your message. May you bless us and keep us. This is my prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So today we're going to look at a parable, um, parable of the talents. You may be familiar with it. It's in Matthew 25, and we'll have that on the screen. As you know, Matthew 25 have three, has three parables that have to do with how things are in the kingdom of heaven. And you have the parable of the virgins, and you have the parable of the talents, which we're going to read today. And then you have the parable of the sheep and the goats. So this is the one right in the middle. Um, and we're going to go ahead and read it and see where we are today. Since we do have communion, I'm going to move a little bit quick to ensure that we finish at an adequate time so that we can partake of the better and more part of the service, which is the ordinance of humility as well as communion. But Matthew 25, beginning on verse 14, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Verse 15, And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Verse 16, Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. Verse 17, And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. Verse 18, but he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Verse 19, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Verse 20, so he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you deliver me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. Verse 21, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 22, he also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. Verse 23, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 24, then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Verse 25, and I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground and look, there you have what is yours. Verse 26, but the Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. 
You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Verse 27. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming I will have received back my own with interest. Verse 28. Therefore, Take the talent from him and give it to the one that has ten talents. 29. For the one who has more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Verse 30. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So there you have the parable. Now, it's interesting because just a little bit over a year ago, we began going through the parables. Some of them were a verse long, two verse long. This one was a lot longer. And you have the story there. And I want you to notice a couple of things. Number one, notice how the Lord did not refute with the one that had one talent, his accusations of him. Many times we do that. Many times we make statements of the Lord that are not accurate. The devil is very good at doing that, saying that God is unfair, that God is unjust, that God is selfish, that he asks of us something that is not possible, but that is not true. That is not how my God is. And many times we make assumptions of God and others that are not accurate, and this servant did that. The Lord didn't refute it. He just simply said, well, you know in all of that, why didn't you at least do this? And so I want you to keep that in mind as we go over this parable. There's going to be, there's a lot more. I wish I could do more, but there's, there's, there's 10 things that I want to point out to you from here. But before I do that, I want to read this quote from Christ's Object Lesson, page 325. It says, the man traveling into a far country represents Christ, who, when speaking this parable, was soon to depart from this earth to heaven. The bondservants, or slaves, of the parable represents the followers of Christ. We are not our own. We have been bought with a price. That's quoting from 1 Corinthians 6.20. Not with corruptible things as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. 1 Peter 1.18 and 19. That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. 2 Corinthians 5.15. Don't you know that you are not your own? That it is no longer us, but Christ that should live in us. And so I want you to keep that in mind as we look at a couple of things. Number one, the talents represent the gifts of the Spirit. Immediately, one of the things that it represents in the talents that were given, the one that had five, the one that had two, the one that had one, it represents the gifts of the Spirit, the spiritual gifts. And I want us to look briefly at the scriptures for that so that you see that I'm not guessing or speculating, but we're doing line upon line, precept upon precept, here little and... And they're little, absolutely. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 11, it says, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. 9, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit. 10, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Remember in the parable? that the Lord gave him talents in accordance to their ability and here we see the spiritual gifts given as he wills John 20 22 and when he had said this he breathed on them and said to them receive the what the Holy Spirit Luke 24 49 it says behold I send the promise of my father upon you but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued 
with power from where? From on high. Ephesians 4, 8, it says, Therefore, he says, he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and gave what? Gives to men. In the previous verse, verse 7, it says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. So you have a list of spiritual gifts. You have many that are mentioned throughout. Um, and I can expand a whole message just on the spiritual gifts. But for what I want you to understand right now is that the talents are representatives of the spiritual gifts that are given by the Lord in accordance to our own ability, in accordance to his will. One of the things that the Bible says is this. Number one, we all have at least one talent. Not one person possesses them all. Some of us have more than others, but there are all men to work together. Another text says that it is knit together or joined together for the empowerment and the edifying of the church or the edifying of the body. If you were to think of the talents or the spiritual gifts as different body parts, imagine your whole body working together and functioning. Now, can I get from one place to another on one foot? Absolutely. But how much nicer is it to have both of them there? And that's the idea. Can the church function without everyone actually utilizing their gifts? Sure, we, we can manage. But how much nicer it would be and how much would the church be edified if everyone worked together and everyone utilized their talents and not just simply bury them. Is that all right? The second thing that I want you to understand is that the talents are not only those things that are received spiritually, but also the things that are natural to us. It's both spiritual and natural. There are certain things that I learned in the world, working for the world, before I became a minister, that you know what? That actually helps quite a bit here in this setting as well. There are things that you have that, that work both as well. So 2 Corinthians 8, 12, it says the following. For if there is a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. Understand that God is expecting a return from what you possess. Now, if this is not your natural gift, if this is not your talent, he's not going to expect that from you. But if you have it and you possess it, he is expecting a return on what you do have. Number three. Number three from this, we also have to understand our mental faculties are important. This is our things that we need to employ as well as part of our, our gifts, our mental faculties. Look at Matthew 22:37. It says, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your what? And with all your mind, use your mind for the service of God. Christ Object Lesson, page 333, it says, God requires the training of ment the mental faculties. He designs that his servants shall possess more intelligence and clearer discernment than the worldling. And he is displeased with those who are too careless or too indolent to become efficient. Well-informed workers. The Lord bids us to love him with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our strengths, and with all of our mind. This lays upon us the obligation of developing the intellect to its fullest capacity, that with all the mind we may know our know and love our creator. Our minds should be so trained that if necessary, we can present the truths of his word 
before the highest early authorities in such a way as to glorify his name. We should not let slip even one opportunity of qualifying ourselves intellectually to work for God. I want you to understand this concept of the mind. I love talking to people. I love being a pastor. I love when people reach out. I have a... Um, my, my old church in St. Pete, one of my church members, their brother is in jail, and I'm communicating with them now via, there's this app now, which we kind of like send emails now, no more writing letters and slipping, you know, like, like a, a cake cutters and filers in, in the cake or whatever. No, no, now you do it all digitally. But I've been talking to him, and he's been learning about God. He's asking questions. I love it when people are asking about God, and they want to learn more. I think that that's wonderful. I think that that's beautiful. But what I struggle with it's when you have been a member of the church for gazillion years and you still struggle with the very basic knowledge of Bible truth and more important than any of that, have no idea what the love of God is. When you say you're loving Christians and you're happy to have Jesus and yet you portray something entirely different. I struggle with that. You need to grow in Christ. You need to have a relationship with him. You need to learn about him. If you read from the quote that I just mentioned there from Christ's object lesson, even to the highest authorities, the more circles that you rub shoulders with, the higher that they are, the more prepared you better be to be ready at any point to share the word of God. Don't call me while you're in the middle of a meeting. Hey, Joey, so what was that text again that you mentioned on Sabbath? You should already be studying this up. You cannot depend that your knowledge of God is only based on the 30 minutes to an hour that we spend here and not on your daily devotion, the lack thereof. You need a whole lot more than that. Love the Lord your God with your all, especially with all your mind. The next thing, number four, is your speech. Your speech is very crucial. You know, you have Moses who was a leader. He couldn't speak eloquently. And the Lord put before him, you know, someone that could help and speak on his behalf and address different things. But your speech is something important. Now, how do I know? Should we guess? Should we speculate? Line up on line, precept up on precept, here a little and? They're little. So we'll look at the next four or five verses specifically on that. Nehemiah 8.8. Nehemiah 8.8. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. With your words, you can help others understand. Psalm 45.2. You are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Will you allow God to bless your lips and anoint your lips so that you can speak? Speak to others. Isaiah 50, verse 4. The Lord God gave, has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. When you speak to people, when you meet up with family members during the holidays, do they hear words of comfort for those who are weary? Or are you worse than anybody else out there? Oh, you and your church people. What is it that is coming out of your mouth? Or as one may say, you kiss your mother with that mouth. Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Yeah, Joey, but what if they cut me off in traffic? Or what if they looked at me up and down? You know how they do it. Mm -hmm. And then the eye roll, you know, maybe a finger snap, Yeah. Colossians 4, 6, 
Let your speech only when you feel like it, when it's necessary, when it's convenient, only if the pastor is around like, oh, Joey's there, let me go ahead and talk differently. Always be with grace. Season as you were with salt, so that you may know how you should respond to only the people that you like. What does it say there? To each person. Come on now. You can't say amen. Say ouch. The next thing, number five, influence. Understand that we influence people whether for good or for bad. Our influence is there. John Maxwell says that leadership is influence, but you know what? We all have a different level of influence all throughout. You know what? If in my own house, I influence my wife, I influence my children, but guess what? When I hear the kids playing alone, they, they're influencing each other. They, there's an influence one way or the other, and I won't spend too much time on this, but understand that because of our environment, we're following people and people are following us. This is inevitable. It is human nature. It is how it happens. But look at Christ's object lesson. Here's page 339 and 340. It says, this is a responsibility from which we cannot free ourselves. Our words, our acts, our dress, our deportment, even the expression of the countenance has an influence. If by our example we aid others in the development of good principles, we give them power to do good. But never should it be forgotten that influence is no less a power for evil. To lose one's own soul is a terrible thing, but to cause the loss of other souls is still more terrible. That our influence should be a savor of death unto death, it is a fearful thought, yet this is possible. Many who profess to gather with Christ are scattering from him. This is why the church is so weak. They do not realize that these sad wrecks of character are the work of their own unbridled tongues and rebellious heart. It is through their influence that these tempted ones have fallen. I've told you before in many messages, I know for a fact that people will come to Christ because I have shared a word with them or done a Bible study with them. I know that the people will be saved because I have allowed God to work in me and through me for the benefit of others. But I still struggle at the idea of someone turning away from God because that day I snapped at them. I said something I should not have, treated them a certain way, or gave them an example that is not worthy of a child of God. I struggle about that. You influence people one way or the other. Which one will you choose? Number six, time. Time, 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 time. Ecclesiastes 9.10, it says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you're going. I hear people, you know, that saying from back in the days like a decade ago, YOLO, you only live once. And live your life, do whatever you need to. And, and I get that. that that's that, that's kind of nice. But if you only do live once and you only have this temporary life, won't you want to have a chance at the eternal life and while you're here in the temporary life won't you take an advantage of every moment I love I love I love 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 being a minister there's many things about being a pastor that I cannot stand nominating committee meetings board meetings business meetings Every time something breaks and we just ran out of money to fix it, you know, like, like I can't stand any of that. But you know what breaks my heart the most? And I don't want to say, I don't want to say I hate it, but it's just, 
I struggle with it. When you're talking to people who are facing death, what do you say to that? When they have been sent home to be comfortable, I hear those words many a time in the hospital. Remember, it's three churches, so I'm always in and out of the hospital at least once a week, sometimes more. And it's like, what, how do you respond to that? How can you say anything to that? And I can't, I just struggle with that. It really breaks my heart. And, and so one of the things that I have had when I work with people in those situations, sometimes they're saying, look, it could be a couple of weeks, it could be a couple of months. Just go home and be comfortable. Let me ask you, what would you do if you knew that you only had today as your last day to live? Who will you call and tell them what you need to tell them? Who will you tell them that you love them because you need to tell them that you love them? Who will you try to make peace with? What actions will you take if you knew the exact time that you were going to die? And you knew that you only had a little bit of time left. What have you been putting off and putting ahead of God that you need to get rid of? It messes me up all of the time. We have Sabbath school at 930. Half of you don't even show up on time, this and that. But if it was a job interview, if it was a court date, you will be right there. But God forbid you show up to the house of God to study the word with your fellow believers. Oh, no, no, 930 is too early. Really? Hey, how many of you guys want to go run tomorrow morning at 7 in the morning? There's a group of you that meet us to run, and you do run with us. So 7 a.m. is not too early to go exercise, but 930 to study the word of God. Ooh, Come on, you can't say amen, say ouch. But somehow, time is something that we take for granted. Time is something that we put off. We haven't talked to family in forever, forget about it. Why am I going to go make peace with them? We haven't done this, we haven't done that. You know what? Job is more important. This is more important. This is more important. And God is secondary. But don't you know that spiritually speaking, you should live every moment as though it was your last? I love this time of year for New Year's resolution. You know what? Starting in January 1, I'm going to lose weight. Starting January 1, I'm going to get that gym membership. I'm going to start hitting the gym. Starting January 1, no more drinking. Not you guys here. I'm talking about other people, right? You know, make all of those resolutions. Yeah, and then I'm done with all of that. Why not start today? It messes me up. I've talked to people who are going to start a diet, and the days leading up to it, it's like, I'm going to go all out. Ah, ah, yeah. I can't even move. Hold on. And you, you loosen up all of the buttons. But when it comes to spiritual matters, what are you going to do? You know what? Tomorrow, I'll give my life to Christ. Today, I'm going to leave la vida loca. And it's all good. Christ's object lesson, page 345, it says, and this is, there, there's a lot to say here, but this is for the parents. Parents cannot commit a greater sin than to allow their children to have nothing to do. Their children soon learn to love idleness, and they grow up shiftless, useless men and women. When they are old enough to earn their living and find employment, they work in a lazy, droning way, yet expect to be paid as much as if they were faithful. There is a worldwide difference between this class of workers and those who realize that they must be faithful stewards. Are you being faithful stewards with your things of God and the time that he has given you? It's funny where you can't show up, you know, on Wednesday night for prayer meeting or if we go more than an hour, it's a problem. But then I catch you on Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat or Instagram and you are hanging out till three or four in the morning. But God forbid it was in the house of prayer. I mean, come on now. Number seven, health. Health, health, health. This is very important, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Verse 20, for you were bought 
at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You are not your own. Let me just tell you this. When we do like work bees and things like that, and we're trying to do certain things, you know, that kind of help is needed, especially if you're young and you are healthy. You're able to lift, lift things when other ones cannot. You're able to help us out in areas that others cannot. Do not waste away your youth. Not only that, though, your body belongs to God. Some other day I would love to do a message just strictly on health, but why are you mistreating God's body and God's temple? You're eating, you're exercising, or the lack thereof, even your sleep. Psalm says that in vain do you go to bed late to rise up early. Even your sleep, you are damaging your body. So as good stewards of the talents that God has given you and what he has presented before you and he expects a return, your entire body and your health from taking an advantage of your youth to ensuring that you give yourself the best life possible. And let me tell you, this is possible. Have you heard of those like health zones? I think they're called like blue zones or something like that. Or maybe purple, I don't know. Maybe it's blue, right? Nobody likes purple, right? It's just, just blue. Sorry, Mrs. Castaneda. Yeah, so the blue zones. You know, you have these folks in these zones in California. 100, 115 doing jumping jacks, running in place, lifting weights. I could barely get out of bed in the morning sometimes. And they're over here just super buff. I mean, the age for retirement keeps going up and up because people are living longer. Why aren't you taking care of your body so that you may live longer? But we'll leave that with health. We'll go ahead and talk about your strengths, whatever your strengths may be. If you're a shepherd, you'll be a shepherd of men. If you're a fisherman, be a fisher of men. If you're a rapper, yes, a rapper, don't stole me, be a rapper of men. Exodus 31, 2 to 6. Look what it says. Exodus 31, 2 to 6. See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. Verse 3. And I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. Verse 4. To design artistic words, the work in gold, in silver, in bronze. Verse 5. In cutting what? Jewels for setting. In carving what? Wood and to work in all manner of what? Verse 6. And I indeed, I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahizamach of the tribe of Dan, and I have put wisdom in the hearts of all who are gifted what? That they may make all that I have commanded you. Let me tell you this. You know, kids don't always learn the same. You have some that have an artistic mindset. Reading and writing may not be their thing, but if they have art, if they have art, they can use it to praise the Lord. I mean, even carving out wood. I am the worst person you want with nail hammers and a saw. I will destroy whatever you put in my hands, and I will create chaos out of it. But if this is your gift, if this is your strength, use it for God. I cannot have all of you wanting to be shepherds if all of you are fishermen. I cannot have all you trying to fish if all you know how to do is mess with sheep. I need you to do what you do best but use it for the Lord. Right now, you're artistic, come and draw in our kids' room, decorate it, make it very nice and pretty. Why not? Use your strengths for God. Number nine, money. Let me tell you this. The Bible says that the love of money is the rule of all evil, but with money, you can bless people. Now, I want you to understand something. I do not want you to think that just writing a check is enough. You also need to do work. Many of you miss out on the blessing because you just write a check, put it in the plate, and then you disappear into your house, and you don't experience what it is the joy to bring Christ to people. 
So, so I don't want you to think that money is a substitution. It is an added bonus, okay? Christ's object lesson, page 352, it says the following. But Christ sanctions no lavish or careless use of mean. His lesson in economy, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost, is for his followers, John 6, 12. He who realizes that his money is a talent from God will use it economically and will feel it a duty to save that he may what? Give. That he may give. So I won't say much more about that. And then the last one, number 10 for today's message, is the one talent. I want to point out to you the one with the one talent, Luke 16, 10. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in what? And who who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in what? Understand something. I get people who try to be buttering me up from time to time. Joey, you're so talented. No, you're not. No, I'm not. You haven't heard me sing in the shower yet. And, 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 and I pray that you don't have to because even my kids knock on the door and tell me to stop singing, please. So, so, so understand that, that, that it's not a give. I, 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 there's things that I have. There's things that I don't. But other people say, I'm just not like you. I just don't have what you have. I just, I'm just I'm not there. Even with what you have. It is absolutely no excuse to bury it down, bury it in the floor, and not use it. Especially because you only have one. See, this is what happens. You know, I consider myself a jack of all trades, ruler of none. So when you have many things, I got it. Maybe you're responsible for doing very different things. But when you only have one, dude, you only got to take care of one thing and employ one thing and use that one thing. That is no excuse to just hide in a cave somewhere and do nothing or just sit in the pew secretly, sneak in and sneak out right before and after the sermon so that nobody says anything to you. You need to put it to practice and employ it. Last quote from today from Christ Object Lesson 355. It says, It was the one with the smallest gifts who left his talent unimproved. Is in this is given a warning to all who feel that the smallest of their endowments excuses them from service for Christ. If they could do some great thing, how gladly would they undertake it? But because they can serve only in little things, they think themselves justified in doing nothing. In this they err. The Lord, in his distribution of gifts, is testing character. The man who neglected to improve his talent proved himself an unfaithful servant. He had received five talents... He would have buried them as he buried the one. His misuse of the one talent show that he despised the gifts of heaven. And so before we put the next text on the screen, before we go to the last text for today, I want to elaborate on this a little bit more. I don't think you realize how important every aspect is. Many people think that being up on the front it's the best thing that you could do in any setting. That is probably the least important thing that you can do. We had a church member in St. Pete years ago who used to do the mulch around the grounds. And he passed away. We did his funeral. I spoke at his funeral. Suddenly, the church grounds started looking ugly. And then it got uglier. And then it got uglier. And he said, hey. Who's supposed to be doing this, you know? And then we looked at the board. I don't know. I don't know. And we learned that it was that member that would just come in during the week. Nobody told them. It was an elected position. And we'd just come and weed out, put some mulch, let it all out. And it stayed beautiful. I was there almost seven years. And it wasn't until my last couple of months there that, that, that we started noticing that there was an issue. We had no idea. So if weeding and mulching is your thing, praise God. 
I mean, come on in and clean and sweep and vacuum. And if you can cook, let me tell you this. I've tested some fellowship meals where people are trying to poison you, you know. But, you know, I'm like the official potluck taster. But, but, but if cooking is your thing, you know what? Cook for Jesus. Just, just make it happen and just do it. I mean, whatever your giftedness is, go ahead and do that. If you love technology, please help us out with our website. Help us put stuff up on there. Help us announce things. I mean, we would love to have that. If your thing is texting and communication, hey, we'll have an opening coming up when we start reaching in January. By all means, email the church members. I'm supposed to send an email next week to remind you guys about the, uh, the, the Christmas play that we're doing for the school here. And so, again, Thursday at 7 o'clock, all right? But, but I got to work around to get next week sometime and do it when I have free time. Please, I would love to just shoot a text to someone. Hey, send that email to everyone everybody in the church. So, so be on the lookout for that email because I'm going to do that. But, but if emailing is your thing, you can work from home in your pajamas and still praise God. So, so it doesn't matter what it is. Use it for the Lord. No matter how small you think it is because it is huge. Our church in St. Pete, the first thing that people saw was how the grounds were kept. And the first thing that they noticed was how they were not. So whatever it is, Use it for God, no matter how small you think it is. And that we may all hear, last text for today, Matthew 25, 23. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I want to invite you to pray with me, and then I'll give you a couple brief announcements, and then we'll take it. No, I'm not going to sing. But we'll go ahead. There you go. All right, let's pray. Father God, we come before you. And Lord, I, I know that I threw a lot, and I, and I try to do it very quickly. But, but Lord, I just ask that you be with all of us, that you could find us all good and faithful servants. That whatever you have blessed us with, whether it's one or five talents, whether it's big or small, whether it's up front or just showing up here Tuesday mornings to take care of the grounds and put some mulch and do some weeding, doesn't matter how big or small it is that we may use it for your honor and your glory and for the advancement of your kingdom. May you bless us and keep us as we do our part. This is my prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.